0: If you got a Bible, get it out, preferably one that when you smell it, you actually smell something. I mean, in a hard copy right here. These are great. The smell of good old fashioned paper is. Who's with me on this? Somebody give me a hoot if you're into a good old fashioned. Now we're talking right there. It's good to have everyone with us here today, and I hope we're ready to bust into the word. If you do not have a hard copy Bible, get a phone out. And those of you in the back guarding the bags, get your phone out as well. We're going to jump into the Word of God. I want everyone in this room with a Bible open, people at the sound booth included, everyone with the Word of God opened up and ready to go. If you're at home today at a 180 home, or whether you are Duncan and Angie Sprague in Denver, Colorado, leading your 180 home, or friends in South Africa, we want to say it's good to have you, don't we guys? that was so weak we got enough of us here to make a big sound i said it's good to have them isn't it now we're talking how god moves somebody gave a special duncan shout out right there how god moves is a series that we're at in in the book of acts but i got a huge mystery that has been solved for me guys i'm so excited about this i now know why our geraniums haven't been thriving my bride loves geraniums. We're kind of bent toward geraniums because that's uh, it's kind of a family flower for my bride's side of the family. And my, my family had geraniums as well. But I've been a little bit flummoxed by what's going on over the last three years. I've been having these geraniums pl- potted in these beautiful little, these, these new pots, these tall square ones that kind of are just beautifully architectured. Oh, man, and they're not cheap. But man, you put those flowers in there and they're supposed to grow and I had a whole lot of plant but not too many flowers. But this week on my radio show um, at Moody Radio, I had some experts in and man, did I learn a lot about planting flowers. Jose, listen to me close right now, man. I'm giving you some hot tips. When you pull those things out of the containers, you're supposed to like put jab marks in them and things like that and stir up the root System. I didn't know that. I just thought you pull them out, put them in there. So that's one thing. And then I learned about some kind of fertilizers that you need to put in and fertilizer in water and things like that. So I'm feeling really good about it until another expert came on and said, oh, geraniums, they need full sun, at least afternoon full sun for sure. And I'm like, oh, no wonder. I'm getting started off all wrong here. We got the wrong flowers in the pot. We got sun until like 1130. No wonder these things aren't growing. And I got to tell you something. I have learned in the most practical things, the most important things in life, if you don't get a few things right from the jump, it limits your ability in almost any area of life to flourish, especially spiritually god wants us to grow spiritually and a lot of us find the abundant life to be a little bit elusive and we wonder why and i am going to be very clear with you this is as personal as i'm going to get with you this morning because then we're going to move to the church collective a lot of you just got started off wrong now here's the good news today is new mercy new opportunity to grow and go in our relationship with god but here's i just going to do a quick sidebar appeal that isn't even on my outline begin to structure spiritual systems for yourself that can hold water. A lot of people have underestimated the power of God because, quite frankly, they haven't gotten those basic things in place from the jump. And then we wonder, well, where's the flourishing? Where's the abundant life? And if we just look back, we'll go, oh, there's a few key things that I didn't get right from the start. This is true for you spiritually, and it's true for the church as well. And today I want to talk about something really powerful from the book of Acts, and that is the early work of a church. The early work of a church, or this could be titled How It All Began, Part 2. This is one of the most exciting messages that I've had an opportunity to prepare. I think last week was one of the most epic times of preparation that I've had. I would say that my preparation for today rises to a level of top 10, 20 messages I've had a privilege of preparing. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart, and I've preached hundreds, if not thousands. And the reason it is, is because I think the way we're flying through this text today is gonna give us, last week I said like a 30,000 foot view, but that's really not what we're getting here. We're getting about a 5,000 foot view, and let me explain this. In Alaska, when I went flying with all my buddies, and I got a ton of buddies that are bush pilots, I got one friend that has a turbine otter. It's a jet-propelled bush plane. And he can reverse thrust with the propellers. We, we would land on glaciers, guys, glaciers. He would come in, got a stall kit, which allows your stall speed to get way slow before you fall out of the sky. And on one occasion, it was my bride and I and Cabin and Muriel with his wife and their kids, and we were landing on some the most remote areas some glaciers had never had a foot on in history not one foot put on these glaciers and we're coming in and we're navigating around all these moulins and moulins are these big kind of ice whirlpools that over time the little drips of water as they melt in the summer season will carve out a hole that goes sometimes thousands of feet down and those moulins are so big they will swallow you so if you get close to them, you've got to be careful. Well, if you're coming in with a bush plane and landing on a glacier with tires, not skis, you've got to be careful that you're navigating around those and you've got to be able to get going and stop and everything on a dime. It's an amazing thing to watch these guys that fly along like that. But one of the, one of the best lessons that I had by flying with my buddy Paul was he could give me A overview of the Wrangell-St. Elias mountain region by flying at 5,000 feet like nobody's business. When you're on foot you would see all kinds of old trappers trails and bear trails and run into wildlife that you'd never seen before. We landed in one area where we walked into a creek that had never been fished probably in history just because of Paul's ability to land nearby and how remote it is. And we waded into a stream, and we were wading into a stream that was so teeming with salmon that they're bumping off of our boots and feet. Just salmon just pounding us. Just amazing. But getting up at about 5,000 feet was the best because Paul's on his radio, and we've all got headsets on. He says, look out to the right, right there. Hey, there's a brown bear right there with a the cub. Hey, looky over here, man. Check out the rack on that. Moose, man, that big bull moose, he's got this huge, huge trophy rack. And so, as we're cruising along through the Wrangell St. Elias Mountains, I was blown away at what we could see at 5,000 feet. We're going to do a 5,000 foot exciting overview of the early work of a church and how the church began. And it's amazing. I want to move through these six points and I'll illustrate them as much as possible but it's almost self illustrative the first I want to give you is this when the early church went to work it found that number one the pinnacle of all social work is spiritual work now I'm telling you this will fire you up for those of you like my bride and I we had this happen this morning there was some uh, immigrants that are they've got a sign out a lovely woman and their little baby and a man and they're new to the country and they've got a sign out down here on 18th when you get off uh the freeway and we pulled down and my bride's always got her car loaded up so we had some food with a little book little condensed version of heaven by randy alcorn and so we said hey would you like this they go oh thank you so much so if any of you have a heart to minister to people and you wonder how, this passage is for you. Check this out. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. It's going to be on the screen here. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. This is very important. This is 3 p.m. right now. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called Beautiful Gate, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And when he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him I need you to hear me the pinnacle of all social work is spiritual work I am a big believer and scripture says care for those in need The early church we saw last week gave to each other as they had need. But sometimes we forget the reality that the greatest gift that we can give anyone in need is, by the way, be careful with this. This isn't like the person back in the 60s and 70s. I went to a couple of uh, restaurants with a couple of guys that said, well, I don't leave tips. I just leave a gospel track about how to follow Jesus. That's called stupid, okay? Don't do that. Don't do that. But here's what we've got to remember. Peter and John genuinely said, silver and gold we don't have. But what we give you, we give you in the name of Jesus. It's just super important to get. We can never become a church that does social work Without attaching it to the power of the risen Jesus. Everything we give, everything we do needs to be inextricably linked to messaging to people. Here's what we give you in the name of Jesus. And by the way, I pray that you will take up your mat and walk and find power in his name. This is big. Because a lot of times people today are talking about social needs and even the church is getting more socially active on a lot of fronts. Hear me. Whenever we separate out philanthropically, um, anything philanthropic from the grace and power of God, we've diminished the power of our witness. One of the coolest things that I had the privilege of doing when I was a lead pastor in Alaska, now we had a lot of people But on one Christmas, we decided, boy, there's an increased number of homeless. Let's do something right here. And we had someone come together with a plan that was great. And we went full-blown, full, this is even before it was popularized, full backpacks loaded with winter gear. Because in Alaska, man, if you're homeless, you're at risk. People die out there all the time in the middle of winter. So we loaded them up with all kinds of uh, survival blankets and mittens and coats and boots and all kinds of good stuff. But I had an elder come to me and he said, "Hey, we don't want to just do this, or else it's it just doesn't have the power. We're Christ followers." I said, "You're right, Paul. What are you saying here?" He goes, "We've got to come up with a creative way to do this in the name of Jesus," and we did. We started going out in teams around the city and working at a food pantry that we own downtown. And we mobilized thousands of people that were giving these backpacks out in the name of Jesus. And things began to happen. You'd be amazed. I don't do this all the time, and I'm not tooting my horn, but I try to take opportunities as I'm led by the Spirit to help people out. But sometimes I'm well aware of the fact that there's people that are just takers i get that but we don't do it based on them we do it based on him and every time i've given something but i've said could i pray with you i've never been turned down one time never and i've had some of the sweetest moments right on the corner of chicago and wells going hey listen here's a dollar but i can do one better I'm gonna pray right now for you. I've had conversations that were deep, things I've never told my wife anything about. It's just the way dad taught me how to roll in life, and it's powerful. Sometimes we walk around people and we wonder, oh, how can I avoid this guy? Or, oh, don't you know that guy's using it for something wrong? He might be. She might be. But could it be? That one little prayer spoken over this person could be something that unlocks their heart and in time you will find that they are with you in an eternity with God. The pinnacle of all social work is spiritual work. We can never do anything without linking it to the name of Jesus. Second. It was, this is going to rock some of you here. It was never about faith healers. It is faith that heals. It was never about faith healers. All the faith healing stuff, half of that stuff on TV is just smoke and mirrors, baby. They're just fleecing people. How do I know that? I don't know it, but God did when he inspired Luke to write this account in verse 11 through 16. Look at what we find while he clung to peter and john all the people utterly astounded ran together to them in the portico called solomon's and when peter saw it he addressed the people men of israel why do you wonder at this why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk do you hear right now they are deflecting glory do you hear that this is huge. You guys got to get this stuff. Verse 13, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead to this we are witnesses in his name by faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all it was never about faith healers it is faith that heals listen to me Corinth Is a church that is addressed more about spiritual gifts than any other church in the New Testament you know why they were spiritually immature and they were reckless and they were featuring the wrong things I'm gonna say something I said last week I really believe this There's a lot of discussion in theological circles. Jim and I have these spirited discussions all the time, and they're fun to have. And the question is, are we cessationists? Do we believe that the miraculous gifts have ceased for today? Now, there's a lot of different people in different camps, and I love what Wayne Grudem did. He came up with four basic camps. He called them cessationist, open but cautious, third wave, and Pentecostal. Now, here's here's why I want to highlight this. This is a very important understanding of uh, kind of a systematic theology, as it were. It's important for us to understand this because there's a good, really good discussion about have the miraculous gifts cease for today? And a lot of people cite Paul speaking when he said, and when the perfect comes, tongues will cease and other things will cease. And they attribute that to the closing of the canon or when the Bible as we know it was no longer added to. Well, the problem with that is, is that the context of the passage directly relates to the coming back of Jesus Christ. Here's the solution for all this stuff, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. If you understand that spiritual gifts are gifts of the Holy Spirit, and your attempt isn't to conjure something up or make something big of yourself, We don't have to worry about this stuff. We say, come Holy Spirit, move in power. And by the way, if you're a cessationist, for which most really aren't, even the most hardcore cessationists have a hard time denying, in in fact, there's the largest camp of cessationists leave room for God doing miraculous works when he is moving into unreached people groups. And so they would say that the apostolic gifting that we see that is miraculous signs and wonders was because the authentication of the deity of Jesus and the confirmation of him being Messiah to a lost people group. And so they would have no problem with the reality that we've got brothers and sisters coming to Christ In the 1040 window, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, China, who are seeing visions of Jesus, who otherwise have no clue what in the world's going on. And they get up the next day, and they're told by the Spirit to go find someone who's a Christ follower. And they go, and they say, I had a vision. Uh, This is what I was told. I was told to come ask you about Jesus, Jesus. And guess what? Listen close. He saves them. So, cessationist, open but cautious, third wave, Pentecostal. Where's Carl on that continuum? Not going to tell you this week, that's coming in two weeks. <laughs> but I'll tell you this it's not at both ends of the spectrum. The minute we see our gifts, and here's the problem with faith healers. The minute we see our gifts as something we possess rather than for the building of the body, our gifts lose their power. It's not about us. That's the good news. When the early church went to work, it found that, number three, hope for soul refreshment comes through repentance. Now hang on with me on this one. This one, I promise you, this will be a game changer for you if you let it. Hope for soul refreshment comes through repentance. In Acts 3, verse 17 through 27, again, I'm flying along at 5,000 feet. I'm going, look down here. Well, look down here. Look at this, verse 17. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your rulers. He just accused them again of killing Jesus. But what God foretold by the mouth of all prophets, that his Christ would suffer He thus fulfilled. Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Verse 22 Moses said, The Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days, You are the sons of the prophets. And of the covenant of God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by you turning every one of you from your wickedness. I was in South Africa. My wife and I needed a break. We had done six months of intensive ministry. I was coaching a multiracial track and field team. We were watching God do some amazing stuff, and I got invited to go to a little retreat area. And We went to this retreat area, and up on a shelf was a book called Times of Refreshing. And it was an exegetical kind of expansion of this little phrase here in this passage where Peter says, Repent, so the times of refreshing will come on you. I just want to get this practical with you today. A lot of us here in this room long for our kids or grandkids or our friends or our neighbors to have refreshment in their soul. We see them stirred at a soulish level we see them maybe some of them worshiping false gods bowing down to the gods of materialism or ladder climbing and all the stuff that's going on in this world today we see that and our heart aches and we want refreshment for them and the question is what are we gonna do are we maybe gonna sell short God's plan Peter said if you want times of refreshment to come on you repent There's two things I try to get parents to do that come from my dad. I'm going to be going to Alaska soon for his memorial, 95 years. He lived a really cool life, guys. But he left behind some lessons, and I want to give you one right now. Parents, don't want so much for your kids that you talk yourself into them possessing something that they don't have. Don't want for them so badly. Don't want for them to have refreshment at the expense of salvation. Don't do it. I mean, who cares? I know what it can feel like. But that old time gospel hour, the old time church where we come in posture and we say, oh, our kids are doing great. They're this and this and this. If they are not transform followers of Jesus Christ we got some serious praying to do and the sooner we're honest with ourselves about those that we love there's a phrase that we use even with the elders I use this now you know I say gentlemen you can't have proper intercession until you have good information it's the same thing with your kids be honest to God about where you, your kids, your spouse, your neighbors, your distant relatives are at with God so that you can pray rightly. That's number one. Number two, don't spare them the truth. Don't spare them the truth. I mean, here's the question. Do we really think we're dealing with eternity here or don't we? That's what it boils down to. I built my home with my dad let me get that right i built dad's home together with him we spent a whole summer in alaska summers are long baby someone asked my dad how many hours are you and carl gonna work on this he said sun up to sundown and i thought yeah right no he was he wasn't joking we slept a few hours at night, and we got up again, had the radial alarm saw, worm, worm, worm drive saws. We had beam saws. We had nail guns. Senco 16-penny nail guns. Just me and Dad out there. Just going, going all summer long. House got built. Got the house done right on a lake, Lake Lucille, right in Wasilla, Alaska. You could walk off of our, it was a beautiful home, 3,200 square feet, modified A-frame, 12-12 pitch, so 45-degree angles on the roof, so when the snow fell, it would fall off. And then about 2,800 square feet of deck around the front that you walked down, around that deck, and then you walked right off the front of the deck, right downstairs to the dock. And we went water skiing. <laughs> yeah. That was living, man. But it didn't fill Carl Love. A few years go by, I'm making good money. Most powerful lesson Dad ever gave me. I've shared this story before, but you got to get it right now because it applies to you, not to me most powerful thing that happened was I stayed overnight which was oh I was kicking myself because I'm like oh no I didn't empty my jeans pockets and my mom found a Western Union money order for a lot of money they didn't know I was dealing cocaine from Southern Cal but they knew that something was up bad and I'm sitting there looking out over the lake And my dad comes around this way, and my mom comes this way, and I knew what was coming. You got to come back to church, Carl, my big old dad, Swedish guy. But he's coming up to me, and he's got tears coming down his face, and I'm like, oh, no. And he sits beside me, on that hearth that I remember framing out with Dad before the Masons came in and put that beautiful river slate all over there. And my dad put his big old big old mitt that he had the strongest grip because he knew how to work. put his mitt around me. and he looked at me like, I'm here and he's like right here. And he looked at me, and he said, I don't know what you're up to, but son, I know it's not good. And today, I am praying no longer that you come back to church. I am praying That God would kick every crutch of this world out from under you and that you would come all the way into the kingdom of God, not back to church, closer than that. Or that God would take you out of this world because you're killing yourself anyway. For 22 years, I had seen my dad's prayers answered regularly. And now he's praying a truck into my path? And God heard my dad's prayers. And it was six months later driving down a road in anchorage alaska that god said to me are you done yet all the crutches were gone and i said god i'm done and he saved my soul i'm glad dad had the courage and loved me enough And he didn't care so much what the church folks thought. He cared what my soul condition was like and what it was going to be. With tears streaming down his face, he poured out his heart to me. And you know what he was saying? If you want times of real refreshment to come on you, son, repent. It's not good enough if our kid's climbing a ladder in a software company. It's not good enough in, fill in the blank, it's not good enough if our kid isn't committing any criminal acts. (laughs) Well, howl pick and Because any soul that does not know the refreshment of God needs to repent. And someone's got to tell him or her in love and with compassion. And you know what I couldn't deny? I couldn't deny that my daddy loved me because there were drips, drips of tears dropping off of his chin while he prayed over me one of the toughest prayers I ever heard in my life. You don't tell kids about Jesus so that you can feel better about yourself. It's all about him. It's about them. Boy, this next one, oh my goodness. 5,000 feet, we're zipping along. We're going to look at some landscape here. Let me give it to you clear. I wish I could have had the word THE all, well, it is all caps. I'm sorry about that. I wish we could have bolded it. Gospel preaching is the strategy for cultural awakening. I am no longer going to equivocate. I'm not going to get weak on the knees in this one. I'm telling you right now, gospel preaching is the whole enchilada. It is. And I'll prove it to you. Verses 1 through 4 of chapter 4, follow along. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day. For it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. Now there were 3,000 added when Peter preached the gospel, right, In, in Acts 2, because they were pierced to the heart. Now he's dishing it up again, and he's teaching, and the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the chief priests, they're ticked off. But here's what I need you to know. And I got chills right now. Gospel preaching is still the strategy for an awakening in any people group at any time, anywhere. That's a conversation I had with my co-host this week and then I had with my bride when I got home. This week, I had the coolest thing happen. Sometimes you think, oh, man, i got to have a story like Carl's, one of these drugs to Jesus things. No, you don't, man. You just need the word of God. It will speak. We had the coolest thing happen. So I was in Matthew 13, and we were looking at the four so- soils. Let me do a quick, a quick hit with you here. The four soils are not stages of spiritual growth. That's not what they are. They are four kind of heart conditions, only one of whom was truly born again. All the other three, Jesus is illustrating three ways to be lost. You got the hard path, the seed doesn't even go anywhere. Satan comes along, snatches away the seed. You got the thorny ground, excuse me. You got the rocky soil, which is thin, very little terra firma, and it shoots up really quick, and then a little bit of persecution or hardship comes, and it tumbles away. Do you know what C.H. Spurgeon in 1988 said about that little verse? He said, it would appear that some brethren have been baptized in boiling water because they need an ecstatic worship experience to sustain their faith, which is no faith at all. I love... I love worship. I sometimes want to do kind of like mosh pit. Only I'm getting old where you kind of jump up and down and stuff like that. Cuz I get pretty excited about what God has done. But that little momentary excitement can't sustain you and you may now if you if that's what you're getting is a fix from week to week you need to find out am I really in Jesus? So I got to keep moving. I hadn't planned to share this. Third soil is thorny soil. And the worries of this world the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things choke it making it unfruitful be very clear a lot of people go yeah I've kind of gone through a, a shallow time in my life don't be saying that those are lost guys I've gone through a choked out time in my life yes Christians can get choked out by materialism but don't use Matthew 13 as your proof text for crying out loud those guys that were choked out didn't know Jesus They were going to church and they didn't know Jesus. And I hope I'm rattling us here because when we're in Christ, we know it, the Spirit of God has sealed us and confirms that salvation. The fourth soil type is good soil, and it produces a crop 30, 60. It actually, I'm doing an inversion. I don't know why Jesus taught it this way. It's kind of cool, but he taught it as it produces a crop 160, 30. He went in declension. And then the very next teaching is Jesus says, and let me add to this. He's on a boat in the Sea of Galilee. The audience is on the seashore. He says, Let me tell you something else. The kingdom of God is like seeds scattered in a field. And he says, That's good seed. 30, 60, 100 fold seed. When you are born again, I need you to know something God doesn't save you from hell as much as he saves you into abundant living. Isn't that cool? And so he says that seed in the kingdom of God is good seed. It's scattered on the ground. And then he says, "Uh uh-oh, something happened. You ready for what happened? An enemy came in the night, a guy that has about 40 acres down yonder. He came in the night and scattered bad seed. And then he up and boogied out of there before dawn came. And the And then Jesus goes on to say, he says, the kingdom of God is like this. you got wheat growing in the field, and you've got weeds. Do you know that in Israel today, there are heads of wheat, and then there are weeds, commonly called tares, that look very similar? Really similar. And this is hard for me to tell you, but remember, I'm going back to my dad on the hearth. I need to tell you that when Jesus says in Matthew 7, because Scripture interprets Scripture, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, and he's going to say, I never knew you. They were casting out demons in Jesus' name. They were preaching in Jesus' name and doing mighty works in his name. The propensity for people to be exceedingly religious but never relationally connected to Jesus is real just taking the word that's all i'm doing just the word of god so i'm on air and i'm explaining this one and i mean it's quiet like it is in here right now i could feel chicagoland however many listeners are at that moment i could feel it go quiet out there and i said young thunder no he let me get the story straight when when one of my team really feels prompted to say something this is their sign they tap the top of their head now you know insider scoop in fact, Young Thunder and Allie tell me that they're out at parties sometimes and they'll go like this. And they're like, oh, for crying out loud, I'm wanting to share something at this party. And they're tapping the top of their head like we're on radio or something, getting permission. I said, what do you got, Young Thunder? He said, Carl, I just need to tell you. And he went into the most eloquent story his story. Pastor's kid wanted to be a police officer. His dad invited him to go to Moody for a one-day deal where you tour around and see how cheap it's going to (laughs) be. And he decided, I want to go here. Got his degree. Started working in radio. Got a job with us. Started as a call screener, but I don't like to leave call screeners in the back. I like to bring them on air. Come on, let's have a party here for crying out loud brought him on air he was sharing some good stuff one day i got into matthew 7 many will say to me on that day and about that time he was opening scripture and someone read to him why do you call me lord and do not do what i say and for two weeks he began to lose a huge amount of weight i remember it distinctly i thought what's going on with young thunder i mean weight was coming off of him he couldn't sleep And then one day after radio on a Friday, he went and knelt alone and he gave his life to Jesus Christ totally and completely for the very first time in his life. You know what he said on air? He said, don't let pride of what in the world people in the church might think about you if you receive Jesus after a lot of years of going through a lot of hoops. He said, don't do it because those people never loved you anyway. I'm going to linger here for just a second because I need you to hear my heart. I believe that when Louis Giglio and John Piper were speaking at Passion in Atlanta to a group of young collegiants and they said these words, they were right on. They said, there are millions and millions of people in American Bible-preaching churches who go to church regularly who do not know the power of the risen Jesus. My experience as a pastor has been just that. And I don't know where all of you are at in your spiritual condition. I don't know, but I love you enough to tell you all the serving and all the substitute gods and all the singing you do can never take the place of a living, breathing Jesus inside your soul. Please be reconciled to God. We've turned church into a, a flipping kind of a corporate. I want to be careful with this because the church, the bride of Christ, is beautiful and perfect because Jesus sees them as such but the Christian kind of institution has created a culture that people can come and sit and have an illusion of salvation and never know Christ I did Young Thunder did ready for this Ali did Superdye did she did in the Greek Orthodox Church I hadn't planned to hit it this hard, guys. But I love you enough to tell you the truth, man. Look at yourself rightly. Do you really know Jesus? Because let me tell you right now, Matthew 13 is clear. Jesus told the disciples, because, oh, they added one more thing. Well, what should we do? Should we go get the weeds out of the garden? He said, no, because when you start ripping up the weeds, you might get some of the weed as well. So why don't you just wait until harvest time. I'll bundle up the weeds, put a ribbon around them, and throw them into a consuming fire. Allie looked at me when we had one call to surrender and over 20, I think it was like 27 people just text messages flying in never texted our show before getting a follow-up packet saying today I just prayed with you, I fully surrender my life to Christ I'm totally different Carl about 27 and they just keep coming in welcome, 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 welcome and someone else texted in said I've been listening here for years I finally understand the gospel, thank you And Allie looked at me and she goes, you know what, Carl? We didn't do anything but like read the word of God. I said, yeah, Allie. It's powerful, isn't it? The gospel is. I'm going to do something right now. I'm not going to invite you to know Jesus right now, but I'm going to do something better than that. I'm not going to have you stick hands in the air, but I want everyone to close their eyes right now, right now, right now. And I want you to have the courage to tell me if the Holy Spirit is asking you to ask a tough question of yourself right now. Just lift up your hand and go, man, God's asking me to do that of myself. I'm not going to call you out. Yeah, right on. There we go. Anyone else? Right on, right there. Tremendous. Three of you. Who else? Come on. Don't let pride hold you back. You're just acknowledging that, yeah, God's doing something with me. Right on. Right on. Anyone else? Just looking here for a second. I'm going to be praying for you, and if you want to talk to me about where you go from here, I'll be here, and I'll stick around. I will talk with you. We'll do business today. How many of you in here right now, God's calling you, to pray for those that you love a whole lot differently than maybe you have. Come on. Just, you don't even have to raise your hands. Hands are everywhere. Ah, they, go ahead. Raise them up. Let's do it. Who's, who's being called to pray differently for people? Yeah, right on. Right on. Right on. Right on. Right on. Whew. Father, Thank you that it's you that's having a conversation with us today. Do you know me? Do you love me? And God, in this moment, I just pray that people that are uncertain of where they stand with you, in fact, they have a hunch they don't stand with you, would just humbly say, you've got all of me. And I confess with my mouth, Jesus is my Lord. He's my leader. I give him every part of my life. And I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Great hope. All right, I got two more points, and I got to fly on this one, guys. Here we go. Point number five, the best defense of the faith is evidence of our faith. Come on, somebody. Acts 4, verse 5 through 22. We got a big chunk, and I'm going to read it all. 5 through 22. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together. This is is an epic story. Hang on to your bootstraps, man. They gathered together in Jerusalem with the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or what name did you do this? This is this healing. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning the good deeds done to a crippled man, (laughs) by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, hadn't gone to cemetery, I threw that in there, it's not in the text. They were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What are we going to do with these guys? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in his name. So they called them, For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. This was not a small healing. Hear me now. The best defense of faith is evidence of our faith. I know there's a lot of rancor in our culture today, and I hear it all the time, and I hear it from evangelical Bible-preaching, Bible-reading folks. That man, We gotta put our foot down. We gotta people that we gotta get folks in that are gonna get freedom of religion back. We're losing it left and right. Time out. Do you know what it would have been like for the first century church under Nero? They torched these Jesus followers and Christ's followers aflame lit the gardens for Nero. But the church was not stopped, the church prevailed. And the greatest way to hold on to religious liberties in a country that I will grant you, they are being thrown under the bus left and right, is don't get angry. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. And start living in a way that we make all people at peace with us because the culture's saying, don't mess with them. We're better because of what they're doing in our life. Well, Carl, you don't vote. Oh, I vote. I'm a radical voter. Vote all the time. Yeah, but you don't campaign. Oh, you don't know what I do. I'm a crazy man. But we pray to a God who can fill us and cause us to do things that the world goes and even accusers go, what are we going to do? All these people are seeing what's happening here. What are we going to do? Oh, boy, I'm preaching long lately. I got a boogie here. Last point. When our faith is attacked, we fight best on our knees. Verse 23 through 31, look at this as I read it. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand had planned and had predestined to take place. And now, they're praying, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. No celebrities here but one, and his name is Jesus, guys. No celebrity Christians here. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I got a couple of things I want to say. First, the Holy Spirit prompted something in my heart with something I just said. There will be God filled, anointed people who have higher levels of visibility that don't believe in their own celebrity. That's different that's different but these guys pointed to jesus on their knees and said you give us power to speak boldly and you stretch out your hands to do signs and wonder they knew who buttered the bread of the church one of the coolest video series i've ever seen has been called it's called transformations videos I actually, uh, I know the guy's brother, but George Otis Jr., I know Don Otis is a guy that helps people get books out there. Well, his brother, George, George Otis Jr., has done this massive study of revivals around the world. And I'm just going to give you two quick ones here, and then I'll give you the punchline for the day, and then I'm going to pray over you, and we're going we're to go. But he talks about Bogota, Colombia, And a pastor that was seeing the Medellin cartel and these drug cartels that were just taking over the city and one pastor had a heart to see revival and awakening and he began to pray with some of these cartel leaders and some of them were getting saved and the cartels were losing their minds. And you know what they did? The guy was walking down the street one day and they came up and they riddled his body and he bled out right there. And his wife said, the mission will go on. And in Bogota, Colombia, they began to gather people for prayer at soccer arenas. And they filled arenas in Colombia, seeking the face of God. And soon the biggest cartel leaders in one of the most war-ravaged times in that country were taken down. The gospel rose up and the church spread like wildfire. In Nova Scotia the villages of Nova Scotia and the native people of that land were having their children ravaged by alcohol and depression and suicide and the death rate was going through the roof and a couple village elders gave their lives to Jesus and they began to pray And they knelt down in a room and they began to cry out to God, God save our children. And they prayed earnestly. And they heard what was a mighty rushing wind, and they had it recorded. And George Otis Jr. went back and said, listen to what was happening, and you hear the cries of the saints, and then you cannot hear them. All you hear is wind in an auditorium, and those winds were apparently, (laughs) maybe it doesn't fit in this box here, but it was winds of the Spirit signaling, I'm going to move in your land. And revival began in that little town, that little village, and moved to village, to village, to village, and the suicide rate fell precipitously. Was everyone saved? No. But did hope spring eternal? Yes. I can say is this: the work of the early church will be the work of a thriving church. I'm asking you to believe God for great things. Our country's in peril. We have way more animosity and anger and tribalism and political discord coming than we've ever seen, I believe, in the history of my life in this nation. Ever. We have more strife coming our way than you can imagine. And the answer is still Jesus. Father, I thank you this day for allowing us to scoot along at about 5,000 feet here. And it's like your spirit's pointing out, looky here, see what I did here? And look, oh, look over here, look at that. And I thank you, Lord. I think what's on my heart as I look back at my bride is I want my bride and I to be just in the middle of a a tribe of Jesus' followers that just dare to believe God for great things. Dare to take him at his word. Oh, Lord, I pray that you will help us. We're needy, but with you we have everything. Fill us up by the power of your Holy Spirit to overflowing. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Come to your feet. I want to give you a blessing here real quick. Just come to your feet. (sighs) Now may the God of the early church be the God of our church. May he show us and prove to us that the pinnacle of social work is spiritual work. That it was never about faith healers, it is faith that heals. That refreshment for the soul comes through repentance, and that gospel preaching is the strategy for cultural awakening still. And that the best defense of faith is the evidence of our faith. So we need not fight, not man. And then when our faith is attacked, we fight best on our knees. May that God be real to you today. May you be blessed. Go in his strength and comfort. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.